Hey everyone, today I wanted to create my third bonus episode. Maybe these are going to start being bonuses soon because I'm getting some great feedback that you guys are, are enjoying maybe my no bullshit approach to how to handle life. And so today I want to talk about relationships and dating, sex in the city, that sort of thing. And I've been avoiding this topic because obviously these things are, are personal, uh, but, but equally um, I've sort of been on this interesting journey over the last two years and I kind of want to share that with you because I think I have some insights that I've learned along the way as far as how dating and relationships can affect our mental health uh, but equally how to reframe it so that it's something that that's interesting and fun and that allows us to learn and develop ourselves because there's so much out there at the moment which is like either conditioning or it's fear-based or these broad statements of like there's no good men out there, or all women are high maintenance, or in this day of technology, it's so sort of throwaway culture around dating. Um, but really, there's, there's a different way that we can look at it. And I can see that the people that are kind of using it to their advantage and are having fun with it, kind of have a reframe on this whole dating thing. So here goes, I'm gonna apply some personal experience, uh, some psychology uh, and hopefully some insights some coaching kind of steps that you might want to try on or uh, apply to you, uh, try on for size really. Um, so, reminder of my story and why this is interesting for me. So from the age of 22 for 13 years, I was in a monogamous relationship. So I was raising my kids, I, was, I didn't have any sort of view that a relationship could be any different from that. And we were happy enough and, and, you know, life went on and this isn't about analyzing that. But anyway, it ended in divorce about two years ago. So I learned so much from that relationship. But basically, I came out, you know, uh, my, my friend uh, sort of joked that I was doing my teenage dating a little bit late. Um, so as you can imagine, dating from like 18 to 22 for me revolved around partying. It just things sort of happened and then you just had or I just had anxiety, more anxiety about who I was, uh, no real identity, latched on to other people's versions of who I should be. Um, and, and there's just a different, y you, you experience dating differently at that age than you can do when you're more of a kind of mature, evolved human being. At least, you know, that's what I was thinking. Um, but I leave this, this marriage two years ago the whole world of dating has changed, right? So, so technology does mean that at the end of your phone you can begin swiping and you, you, you have to base things on this in, uh, immediate gut instinct about attractiveness versus depth versus non-serial killer versus, you know, you, you've got to kind of weigh things up in a very different way than, than just that human-to-human -human connection that I remember occurred back in the day. You just kind of uh, hang out, uh, dance perhaps, uh, drink booze, and perhaps fall into bed with each other, uh, which is also not the best foundation for long-term relationships. So as much as I'd evolved and learned from the, pr from the perspective of my career, what do I want, how do I feel the fear and do it anyway, and put myself out there in different ways to enhance my career fulfillment, I'd never had the opportunity really to practice this same way of thinking uh, to the dating game. So here I am, how old am I now? I'm 38, uh, 37, 36, 35, whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm a thrust into this world. I say thrust. I was quite excited to be like, 
you know, uh, w when my girlfriends would talk about how the, the, the troubles of the online dating world, I'm just like, God, that sounds exciting. God, it sounds like, you know, something that I sort of missed out on uh, and, and didn't act on it, but certainly had that thought in, in the back of my mind. So I very quickly set up some profiles and put myself out there. And I thought, let me apply the same skills and learning and goal setting type stuff to dating as I had to some of the other things. Uh, and, and by that I mean I didn't have this like target end game in mind, which I've never had in my career either. But I put on this lens of curiosity uh, and experimentation and kind of going, hey, I don't really fully know what I'm looking for or what that end game is. So people who think that anyone has the perfect 10-year plan, I think that's actually pretty rare or that we know exactly what we're looking for, I think that's pretty, pretty rare. I think what we do have is an internal drive and a push to continue searching. We know where it isn't and so we, we reject and we, and we thrive and we, we test things out. And so th I thought, let me use that same uh, knowledge. Having said that, my first date post-divorce was terrifying, terrifying. I'm like, I don't even know what guys look for in women anymore. I don't know how I'm supposed to behave. Can we just chill? What are the expectations? There's so many sort of stories out there. Um, and I didn't want to like get murdered in London, right? So safety, women, we always have to think of those kinds of things. Um, and I went on a lovely date with a lovely human uh, who, who was quite sort of sensitive and sweet. I seem to attract these sorts of people. Uh, hel held my hand on like a long walk and I had the teenagery like fluttery, like, ooh, this is so exciting thing. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, okay, let's be real. On the second date, because I was quite eager to get this whole thing over with, uh, I went to his place and we had slightly awkward teenage sex on the sofa. Um, and he walked me to the station, which was all very gentlemanly of him, and I burst out in tears on the, the tube ride home. And, and the reason I think I did that was because I think I was, first of all, it was this relief that was like built up in this whole like, can I actually put myself out there in that way after all this time? But also, it. W it didn't quite align with my gut instinct. Like he wasn't the right person for me. I, I shouldn't necessarily have, have have gone that far in that situation. Um, but but I used my logic of just do the thing. Like you've just got to do the thing to to learn and to iterate and to move your move yourself forward. This is, by the way, not what I'm advising anyone to do. Uh, in, in this respect, I think people should can I don't know uh, listen to their gut instinct uh, on a bit of a deeper level. Slow down. I'm always in a rush. I'm even talking fast now. I'm always in a rush. I'm always like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Um, so I'm not advising anyone to, to take that sort of uh, approach. Having said that, it has also gotten me to the level I am at now because I don't take too much time overanalyzing the before. I just kind of show up and see what happens. So since then, over the last two years, I've taken this approach that Dating is about learning something about ourselves and, if we can, and, and the other person. So if we can just apply this curiosity, this um, idea that we want to connect with that, this person and um, mindfully date, and, and I say, I'm sure there's some course out there called that, but what I mean by mindfully date is be in the moment with that person without doing the, let me size this person up to see if 10 steps ahead I'm still going to like them. They're going to be a good match for my family. 
they're going to be all of these things on this like uh, sort of vague list of, of all the, the, the things that I've learned along the way, the things that I don't want, the things that I do want. And I realized that because there were a couple of times that I did do that thing. I, I like, was trying to learn how to weigh people up in, in order to size them up for the future, which is a natural way that we, we survive and we look after ourselves. But I realized that if I slowed down a little bit, uh, just to kind of get to know a person, and that even if nothing were to come from it as far as any kind of further dating, uh, casual, committed, uh, whatever, whatever it might be, even friendship, that I was going to learn something about myself, my interactions, my ability to communicate, the level that I should come in at that was, that was useful in, in reading the situation. And by that I mean, uh, those of you who, who know the podcast and, and know me know that I, I like to go deep quickly. I like us to get to know each other on a real level, right? Um, I'm like, who is the real person? Who are you underneath? And let's not do any bullshit. Now, the people who are on that kind of vibration wavelength, who sort of get it, um, I can, we can vibe and we can go deep quickly, and that's a really meaningful conversation and time to hang out. Some people aren't used to being on that vibration level or getting that really deep really quickly. And the knock-on effect from that was that I would go deep but I'm capable of kind of having that conversation with almost anyone. Uh, but their perception of that was that, oh my God, she's really into me. She is so into me. This must mean that 10 steps ahead, they, didn't, they obviously didn't listen to this talk, right? 10 steps ahead, we're made for each other and all this sort of thing. So I also was testing out honesty. So, so we're, I was like, all right, Surely you can date multiple people and you can figure this out as long as you have some integrity around honesty, authenticity, so that the other person can sort of be involved in that should they want to. Um, but that was a tough lesson to learn because yes, I'm for authenticity and honesty, but you can imagine where the story goes. If you're too kind of all out there and saying everything all the time and it can feel a little bit too blunt and, and sort of cutthroat especially for British people um, because there you know there's a, there's sort of a cultural piece as far as how people are ready to communicate and so these are all the thoughts going through my mind I go on a date I reflect I go on a date I reflect I learn about myself I learn about them I do the you know I just didn't feel the chemistry text you know I'd hate ghosting or any of that stuff I think it's just rude and, and you know so I want to lead uh, with integrity and and be the example that I think other sh people should follow in a way but having said that uh, you can also get dating fatigue right so I've definitely been through phases over the last two and a bit years where I've just been like oh fuck this shit you know um, I can't keep having the same conversation or it keeps doing the same sort of thing which brings us to the excellent learning point of triggers and I say triggers kind of in a loose way. Like I don't fully buy into the paranoia that anything you know, that we say that could be wrong around mental health could trigger someone. Ultimately, the person being triggered, if we're self-aware, need to take some responsibility for understanding that something's being triggered and then learn to do the things that we need to do to look after ourselves within that triggered state. Um, so that's just the thing around triggered, but I certainly learned quite a few things about my own triggers. 
uh, and, and so that I can understand this process of what, what is it and then what do I need to do. Now one of my biggest dating triggers, who knew, uh, was, you know, I moved around every year of my life growing up. I was just constantly moving, 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 right? Um, and so there were a lot of goodbyes. There was a lot of loss. There was a lot of, like, not knowing, like, it wasn't sort of allowed to process those endings and those goodbyes and all that sort of thing. So even though I understand that about myself, I'd never been able to test this theory through dating. So there's something really important about the dating process, regardless of whether you find the one, let's talk about that in a minute, um, or if it's that long-term committed relationship, but it's this opportunity, it's this landscape for where we can learn about ourselves and test ourselves in different areas. And each time we do that, we make ourselves more ready, more prepared, more able to connect with a person that is right at the right time. I said that quite loosely. Um, you, you understand what I mean. So the trigger around the goodbyes for me was very much um, if dating was short term or if I was ghosted or if um, I, I spent like a good intimate bit of time with somebody and then they left or this is London, right? So it's a, it's a real kind of transient culture. People leave the country, people live in different places. And so that if I was emotionally connected and intimate, that them leaving could, in, in certain situations, if I felt something, trigger up this kind of bigger response than what was actually happening, okay? So that, that's how we can notice if we're being a little bit triggered, is if there's a bigger response, so it becomes much bigger and about a lot more than what's actually happened, for example, somebody's left or there's a goodbye or so you know in the grand scheme of things if you've been dating for a month or a little bit you know it, it, it's, it's not the end, end of the world but if your emotional response is like through the roof you know the question to ask yourself in reflection is um, what could be going on for me we see the world as we are not as other people are right we see the world from our own lens so what's being triggered for me uh, that perhaps I need to practice some self-care, or I fucking hate that word, but some nurturing or just some understanding of what's going on, because then it's less about like, I'm rejected or they did something to me. It's more about like, wow, that brought this thing up for me and that's something that I need to, to look at. I also noticed that the times where I have fallen apart connected to dating, so like just felt distraught or there's been a breakup or, or something's happened, so the times that I've been distraught have usually been connected to me not fully looking after myself. So I'm, not, I'm in shaky ground myself because I'm in business myself and I'm lonely or there's a void because I'm not nurturing myself with the good things that I enjoy. All of that stuff's going on. When that's going on behind the scenes, if I date somebody that I feel this emotional connection to, whatever happens in it, which could be quite normalized, the feeling is much bigger. So my, my attachment or my fear of being trapped or my trigger around goodbyes or all of those sorts of things that are about me, not the other person, they're on the surface. They're on the surface. So they're more likely, whoever it is, to be triggered up if I haven't been looking after myself. And so that's one of my sort of takeaways from all of this. And I, I'm, this isn't quite in order, but one of my takeaways is 
I need to invest in my relationship with myself if I'm going to have a chance of using dating and relationship in the fullest capacity that the universe kind of can allow it to be used, right? So if I am mentally healthy, if I am looking after myself, if I am having the conversations that I need to have with people who get how my brain works, right? Um, then when I'm dating, even if this stuff is triggered up for whatever reason, because that's kind of what relationships are for. They're the groundwork. They're the place where this stuff gets triggered up. And, that's, and I say that because that's really useful for, for our growth. But if I've been looking after myself, then when this stuff comes up, I'm more resilient. I'm more self-aware. I'm more able to separate out what is their stuff. Yes, there's bastards out there, whatever. Uh, and what's my stuff? And usually, there's this space in between that can't be sort of a, a misunderstanding place, uh, a place where both triggers are, are going off. And especially if we have a heart connection to that person, that stuff can feel like a bigger deal because we now all this primal stuff about belonging and you know being scared if, if we're going to fully uh, be seen by somebody. Will we ever find somebody? Which leads me to this idea of the one. The one, the one, the one, Disney's the one, right? Um, we are all finding this one person amidst six to seven billion people in the world who will be our person. And there's also this idea that um, when we see them, whether it's online, across a crowded room, in the workplace, whatever, we'll know, they'll know, like a sequence of events will you know, chemically happen that will lead us to being with that person or a variation of that is the conditioning around relationship and what we're all, especially women, what we're supposed to be looking for. The amount of times that I'm, I've been happily divorced and doing my own thing and people have been like, so what are you looking for? Who's gonna complete you? Like that kind of vibe and I'm like, oh, uh, is that really where the world is still at? That a woman specifically needs a partner or needs someone in their life to feel complete? I would like to challenge this notion right now. Um, because really, our job is to complete ourselves. However, that is not an, an excuse or reasoning to stay in our shell and um, say we don't need men or we don't need dating. And I say that as a heterosexual single woman, but you obviously put in your own uh, sexuality or, or variation of what you're looking for in, in relationship. Um, that can feel like a safe place when actually, I think there's something really powerful and useful about dating and being in relationship. Bearing in mind that these days, with all the apps and all this sort of thing, it can feel quite addictive. It can feel like I've just certainly had moments on my sofa in the evening where I felt lonely or I felt a void. And what do I do? I start swiping because I'm just like, oh man, and I've lowered my standards. And I've lowered my standards because I've just been like, oh, fuck it, you're free tonight? Fine, let's hang out, right? And, and, have, and that was really exciting for a little while because I was like, who am I? What, what am I in relation to this world? And I don't know, maybe a year, a year and a half in, I was like, I was busier, I was more fulfilled in business and in life. And I was, and I was thinking, ooh, I don't know that I really want to spend time with this person. The other thing that I really know to be true is that dating, just like anything else, is a skill that can be developed over time. 
we sometimes think that uh, extroverts are better at it, or certain people's uh, confident people, prettier people, people who um, did well at school. I don't know. We make up so many things about who's going to be good at dating. The other thing I know to be true that I've learned along the way is that dating is a skill that can be developed just like anything else. So just like Matthew Syed's book, Bounce, around the 10,000 hour rule. So if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you can become an expert at it. Read the book if you want to understand that theory. But in the same way, if you put yourself out there consistently when it comes to dating so that you can experience the things like rejection, communication, how to communicate with, with vulnerability, with openness, but with boundaries, like testing all that stuff out, the more you can then afterwards reflect on the experience so that you can um, adjust and learn from it for next time, the more that it just in startup language, you're going to iterate and you're going to kind of come to the next conclusion um, for success for you. So rather than this idea of this Disney idea of the right person is going to come along and then we're just going to know what to do, um, granted you can come from a soul place and you can learn with that person, but how much better to just challenge our fear impulse, put ourselves out there, but with this kind of lightness of touch, so this idea that we can connect to people, that we can learn from other people's experience, that we can be curious about their worldview, and that we can understand a little bit more about ourselves. Then dating it becomes part of this picture. So I've re reframed like life, right? It works for me. Um, I've reframed life as, as being some, the, the purpose of life being about growth. And that means in business, in personal life, in whatever comes at me, like whatever new challenge comes my way, if my reframe is that it's about growth and, and my development and my ability to test myself, to kind of build my muscles of, of resilience, of communication, of, of so many things, then um, nothing's wrong, nothing's bad. It just is information that allows me to, to adjust. Now. Remember the story at the beginning where I was crying on the way home from my, my first dating after uh, being divorced? This hasn't just been a smooth and easy and perfect ride. The bumps along the way have certainly been when I haven't been, been looking after myself and I've been looking for someone else to, to fill the void. But equally, okay, I've had a couple of like near weird, dangerous situations where I had to leave. Uh, only two, actually, in two years. That's pretty good, one a year. Um, and I had to, like, I could learn something from that as far as my intuition. What were the steps beforehand that made me meet that person? Um, you know, was I just lonely and going, let me meet somebody? And my radar, as, as far as were they a good person, was a little bit off. Was I stressed? Was I, you know, was, like, there's still some learning in, in leading up to those positions. So I'm not saying it's, it's been a perfect ride, but I've certainly become an expert at the first three months of dating. So that's that initial stage. How much do you show of yourself, uh, how can you be authentic so you're showing your real self, not some kind of fake version that you think they want to see. That's kind of liberating. That's what's liberating about dating a little bit older. It's like, I don't really give a shit, really, you know? Um, I think if it's all data that I can learn from, then it, it almost doesn't matter, but there's, there's learning, uh, it, there's an opportunity for learning at each and every stage. So I've enjoyed a lot of the journey. Some of it's been pay painful. Some of it's triggered stuff up for me that I've then needed to look at and learn. I realized that based on being raised in a commune and then raising kids through my 20s, um, that I had this fear of being trapped. 
So it's like this irrational, even though I'm, I'm solvent and, and self-sufficient and independent and all the things free that, that I've been fighting for for so long, um, when like a commitment conversation <laughs> comes into play, um, I can, yes, I have been known to freak out just a little bit. And that's very much from an internal trigger around feeling trapped or feeling like if I am in a relationship, it's gonna take away some of my autonomy or freedom or the things that I've fought for for a while. And I'm now at the stage where I realize that to get to the next level of learning, intimacy and growth, I need to challenge that bit and perhaps I'm more ready for, for a relationship than I thought I was. Also, dating has so many different angles these days. So there's, there's polyamorous, there's, there's so many different ways that people bend their you know, continuum of sexuality and experiment with things. And I certainly explored some of those communities as far as, well, maybe this isn't just a fear of being trapped. Maybe it's because I, I think there's a new way of doing relationships and maybe it isn't the, the old school sort of monogamy, one person forever sort of thing. So I've explored a little bit of that, bearing in mind anyone who was raised in a free love hippie commune knows that that's a little bit of a step because I can attach that kind of freedom to darkness as far as where you know, the commune sort of uh, led when it came to free love and all the rest of it. But I was, it was more from a, not from a liberal sexual place, but more from the ability to connect deeply with more than one person and I'm thinking, surely it's okay in this day and age and would make sense to find deep connections in, in, in different ways. There was certainly a, a, a time when I uh, was dating three guys, yes, three men at once, judge all the way, do what you need to do. Um, together they just made the perfect man, right? So the, the, uh, the emotional, the situational, the practical, the sexual, like just different parts came out from, from different people and certainly uh, worked there for, for a little while. Uh, and having said that, I actually do think, controversial as it may sound, that uh, dating multiple people uh, is kind of healthy. And I say that bearing in mind everybody's different, but I have read some articles that back up this, uh, this viewpoint as well, that dating multiple people, and I don't mean you're sleeping with all of them, you might be, you might not be, it could be different ways of doing it, but if we're dating more than one person just in the sense of deep connection, getting to know them, experimenting, trying on for size if we're the right fit, the right match, if we want to grow together, all that kind of stuff, kind of takes away this intensity of, did he text me, did he text me, has she text me, has she text me, ah, game playing craziness, right? Um, it allows you to feel solid within yourself because you realize there's billions of people in the world and you might have different but equally as deep and matching connections with different people. Um, and it, t it allows you to just have some emotional stability in testing out a situation because what does happen, yes it does, is we, we have a flirty thing, you might have some sexual contact, whatever that might be, and your chemistry, so this is just your biology, gets excited and wants to believe all the fairy tale kind of, I don't know, hearts and singing birds Disney stuff because it feels good in the moment, your endorphins are high, and what we want to do is we want to attach meaning to that, which also isn't dating mindfully. So we're out of that moment of connection and we're thinking, we're sizing this person up to see if they're a match for the future and all these variables and lists of things that we think they need to um, adhere to or fit to in order to uh, make this work. But when you're dating multiple people, you can go, oh, 
I can learn about myself. I'm like, I, I feel great about this aspect with this person, and I feel great about this aspect with this person. And if that person's busy or isn't able to, to text me straight away, which happens, um, then I, that, that doesn't mean that I haven't attached meaning to the fact that um, the one per like I fucked up when, when trying to date the one person that was right for me. It's kind of not the way it goes in my opinion. So yes, I'm still single. Um, and I think I'm ready for kind of the next phase of this, which is why I'm musing on what I've learned and what are the things that I think are useful in framing dating within a, within a big city, but just in modern society in general, um, in order to then challenge myself to, to think, all right, well, what's the next frontier for me, which is around going a little bit deeper, around getting over the fear of kind of being trapped, trusting that I've learned enough resilience and resolve to look after myself within the next level uh, and, and to move on from there. Which reminds me, right, our, our mental health and dating. Because dating is like this roller coaster of highs and lows and emotions and deep connection and intimacy and uh, you know loss and rejection and avoidance. It's all so dramatic, right? The thing that usually happens though, this is what the thing that usually happens, and I do this, I'm talking not just from personal perspective, but from clients that, that have worked for me, with me. Um, they get to this happy place, chemistry, it's all wonderful, they're deeply connected. What is the first thing they let go of? They let go of the, the, the routines and the habits that they had put in place in order to look after their mental health and well-being. So if they did the yoga class, or if they did the walks on their own, or the reflection, or the journaling, or the music, or the connections with different people, therapy, whatever it might have been, often, slowly, or not so slowly, because they think they found the one, they begin letting go of some of those routines. And then as soon as there's a bit of a tricky, does he like me, does he not like me, does she like me, what, you know, the, the kind of questioning thing, it's like our stability is, is just off. Uh, and very much, we can take some responsibility for that. Because when the going gets good, and not, this isn't just to do with relationships, but often work is good, relation, like stuff is good, whatever, we kind of go, oh, I'm good now. Let me not put those things in place that I know helped me through my last crisis, because I'm like, let's just not think about it. I want to stay in the bubble of whatever this means for as long as possible. Unfortunately, as soon as, as with any even healthy relationship, a bump in the road comes where people are questioning or we get scared because we're like, oh, this feels so good, but oh my God, in the same breath as this feels so good, I feel like I could lose the person. We've lost some of the consistent uh, things that help us regain balance, um, be self-aware, practices that help us uh, kind of stay uh, in a level-headed mood and a good way of thinking, all that stuff. But we have to take responsibility for the fact that we allowed ourselves into this chemistry bubble um, that was wonderful, but didn't put the things in, in place. Which means that once things, you know, shit hits the fan or it gets a little bit bumpy, we can feel like we're losing control completely, right? So, and I know this is hard because I do it myself. You just, it feels good and it's just like, let's just stay in this bubble. We want to stay in the bubble. That's fine. If that's what you do, and I still do that from time to time, Fair enough, but just know, so this is a self-awareness piece, that when it becomes a little bit wobbly and when uh, it becomes destabilized and, and we start kind of feeling all sorts of waves uh, and, and questioning ourselves, and there's a threat, there's a choice here that we can spiral into 
I don't know, needy, acting out behavior, angry behavior, all that sort of stuff, we can go there. Or we can create a little bit of a buffer by checking in with ourselves, maybe with a trusted person or journaling or something to just kind of go, okay, what's going on for me? What trigger might be showing up here? Am I putting the things in place that I need to do to look after myself? Um, or should I just regroup a little bit so that I can then communicate from a place of, you know, maturity, that kind of thing, in order to uh, repair, learn from, uh, break up, whatever it might be, but from, come from that communication place of a grown-up, not the kind of acting out child who hasn't looked after themselves. Uh, which leads me into this idea of communication and healthy communication. Uh, sometimes in my training, I do this, uh, this kind of trigger iceberg. So we, we've got this picture of, you know, an iceberg. And at the top of it, you can see anger. That's a, an obvious one to put there at the top. But put, put, up, put in there, like, passive aggression or uh, stonewalling or what is the obvious thing that we do when we feel a little bit insecure and a little bit destabilized? What's that thing? So that's the thing that you can see above the water. Now, underneath the iceberg underneath the iceberg are all the things that are harder to talk about because they put us in a vulnerable place now the things underneath are shame ugh, guilt vulnerability fear pain hurt all of those kind of icky things that we want to lock away underneath the guise of you know our rightful communication through anger and my God, we can convince ourselves of so many things when we're in that heightened adrenaline state. It's very polarized usually. I'm right, right he's wrong. Uh, and we can use all our, throw all our conditioning into it, like men are dicks and women are this and whatever it might be. And we can just have this like empowered women's stat, women stance. I'm just coming from my perspective, but you can trade it off um, to say, I'm, and oh my god, girlfriend groups don't necessarily help because they're like, yeah, stand your ground, do this, do this, do this. And I am a total feminist and all for the empowered woman a thousand percent. Um, I am also for mature communication, which in the same way as in a business perspective, if we translated that to our personal lives, could be really beneficial. I've seen it really work. And that is saying things like to ourselves, what is the outcome that we want to achieve here? Do we want to have a mature conversation that might weigh up what's going on in order to move forward in some way that is useful to everybody or that looks after myself in some way? Or do we want to be right? Funny thing about this right or wrong thing is that most of the time, not all of the time, we're not going to go into the extreme you know, sociopathic sides of things, but most of the time, it's a question of perspective. I experience this in this way based on my lens and my experiences from the past the other person in exactly the same way. I experience this in this way from my lens in my past. And you're communicating like this, right? So you both, and, and I've seen it when people care about each other a lot, so they actually come from this place of like, oh, you mean so much to me and this is terrifying and I don't know what to do with this uh, absolute emotion, so any hint of rejection or, or whatever it might be that triggers from my past, like I'm gonna jump on that fight or flight, right? I'm gonna go into full, fight mode, full fight mode. I am guilty of this at times. I'm gonna go into full fight mode uh, and just prove that, that I'm right, mostly because what I'm really asking for is for you to get up close and to go, I see your struggle and your pain, but I'm here. Let me reassure you, just like a toddler having a tantrum 
if they're freaking out, the most useful thing for you to do is actually to get up close. Our instinct is to move away. Our instinct is to be like, huh, ooh, punish you, all that sort of thing. So in the same way in, in relationships, our instinct may be to, if someone's going fight, we go defensive and we go fight, fight or flight, whichever one is your, your kind of safe place. What, what can be the most beneficial though is to, like Brené Brown says, it's hard to hate somebody up close, is to come up close, bring your cortisol down, your stress hormone, uh, and try and empathically understand what brought that person to their worldview. Now even if this leads to a breakup, this, this is a healthier breakup. This is one where people have communicated some kind of closure and understood that perhaps they're not the right match in some way. So how do we do that? Brené Brown has a great example on her, her Netflix uh, talk, uh, where she talks about vulnerability and, and a, a dynamic between her and her husband, where she explains that they've gone swimming, in the meantime, through some tiny sentences and small exchanges uh, where she felt that her husband ignored her. She made up this massive story that he wasn't attracted to her anymore after 20 years of marriage, or whatever it was, and that this is it, this is the end, this is never gonna work. And, and so by the time they get out of this lake or the swimming thing that they're doing, her brain has made up so many things about why they would, you know, that she's not lovable and why he's holding something against her and all this sort of stuff. Um, that she's pretty much thinks they're going to divorce. That's where her brain has taken her. And apply this to you, because we've all been guilty of like, we have this bit of information. We go 10 steps ahead or 20 and we go, fuck it, that's what's happening. I know, and I'm going to respond to that place that I made up in my head. Yes, that's the place that we're responding from. So one of her great vulnerable disruptive questions is, the story I'm making up is, and has notice the difference, the subtle difference between you, you don't love me, you this, you this, like this blame me sort of language from going, let me take responsibility. I could be right, but I could not be. The story I'm making up is that you don't find me attractive anymore and that you're not into this situation. That's the story I'm making up. He then said, I think, check it out uh, so you get the full story, but I think he said, I was having a cramp in the pool and I couldn't, and all I was focusing on was like not dying in the lake, you know? And so he was just in full focus mode. She was feeling rejected. So things like the story I'm making up, or remember the, 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 the iceberg, when we're able to communicate from the feeling that is underneath the behavior, for example, it really hurts me when this sort of thing happens. Or when you do that, I know it's probably not your intention, but it makes me feel afraid that, you know? Um, so we're talking about the fear or the hurt or, and it's a lot more vulnerable to admit that we're afraid or that we're in pain or that we feel vulnerable or any of those things that are underneath in that iceberg. But when we can take responsibility for bringing our own cortisol levels down and communicating from that place, not only can we have deeper and more meaningful and intimate relationships, but we can also have healthier breakups. And let's be real here, there's, there's like 99 to one or whatever it is, 50-50, I don't know what your ratio is, breakups that occur at some point. Now I'm quite proud of after the two years of, of divorce, bearing in mind that um, it was sort of messy there for a little while, we had two almost teenagers, we had to change our housing situation, like it was a big disruption and it's one of the most traumatic things ever after 13 years of, of being together. Um, but I feel like I put a lot of work into 
creating, visualizing the relationship that I wanted with my ex-husband and as a family with my children well beyond the, the difficult transition stage. And I remember still living together for six months uh, while we had to figure out the housing situation. And you can imagine the, the struggles and the fights and, and all that sort of thing that were occurring just from a place of hurt and feeling like uh, there wasn't control in the situation. And I would wake up in the morning and I would write down every single morning, who do I want to be today? Because I could descend to the level of argument and be like, you this, you that, or this is mine, and you know, this dividing of assets bullshit. And, the way the whole divorce system is, is, is set up against humankind and, and families in general. Um, but I would write down what I was grateful for and often about him, um, even though he was, he was hurt and upset and all that stuff was going on. Um, what I was grateful for in a situation where I was shit scared because I didn't know how I was gonna um, make rent or a mortgage or, or look after things or manage after this. There were so many unknowns. And the other question was, who do I want to be? And so if he was angry or kind of acting out at the top end of, of the um, iceberg, I would try, and I'm not saying I was perfect every time, but it was like a testing ground. Like I can now look back and even know that those six months was this amazing testing ground of emotional intelligence and, and awareness. And I would try and communicate from the place beneath, you know, the, the iceberg. and have empathy for the acting out behavior. And bearing in mind, the other person may not behave in this emotionally intelligent way. They might not, they might act out, they might still get angry, whatever. But if dating is about your journey of growth, it's not about theirs, they're responsible for theirs. You might be breaking up because you, you don't have the same match in, in you know, how you view the world, values, emotional intelligence, or growth. That might be what's going on. Um, it's your responsibility to communicate with your integrity and with your visualization of who you want to be in dating. So how many times do we visualize based on workplace? What kind of, what kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of colleague? What, some people don't, if I'm honest. But if you have business coaches and stuff, it's, it's more kind of common to, to, to visualize maybe your behaviors or who you want to be in, in career. I certainly spent a lot of my time going, what career do I want to have? How do I want to work towards it? What's the goal setting that, that I want to put towards it? But how many times do we actually go, hmm, who do I want to be on a date? Who do I want to be in relationship? What's the kind of relationship that I want to have? And rather than going, well, this is the type of person that will suit me and that I'm looking for so that they can complete me, thinking more from a perspective of completing yourself, First of all, you are enough. Marissa Peer talks about, she's a, a psychologist and, and says us being enough is actually all we really need to do in, in kind of therapizing ourselves, if that's a word. Us being enough. Um, but who do I want to be for that person? And how do I want to grow in relationship? How do I want to show up? And I've given this a bit of thought and I want to show up with integrity, with kindness. I also want to retain my independence, my freedom, which means somebody needs to uh, have their own independence and their own ambition and things that they're focusing on. I very much, this is a terrible sentence, I very much do not want to censor myself ever again. And I know that for my own mental health, being fully comfortable to be who I am and express that and, and grow uh, means that 
in my imagination, a healthy partnership for me will be somebody who has a similar mindset around viewing life as an opportunity for growth. Because then when the shaky times come, and come they will, yes, I've learned that, we can both be from a perspective of like, oh, how do we communicate um, from this place? How do we practice vulnerability? How do we show up as our true selves even when it feels a bit messy? How do we think beyond um, the immediate argument or, or disagreement or whatever and into what are we trying to communicate underneath? And if we can get there, like detectives, if we can get there, then we can, we have hope for finding the growth or the opportunity for deeper connection or for self-awareness, evolving, self-actualizing as human beings. And so I'm, I'm here saying, hands up, I'm not the poster child uh, for, for perfect relationships at all. Um, what I am doing is, is experimenting, learning, and trying to just share like what's in the messy middle of constant growth and trying to figure out who am I in relation to a, another person uh, when it comes to, to dating um, and how it's not going to be a perfect ride, but I have just as much chance as anyone else of learning along that journey and connecting, I've connected to amazing people over these two years. And even though they haven't ended up in long, long-term relationships, I've had three-month relationships, I've had uh, amazing dating experiences, I've learned from a male perspective, I've learned from polyamorous perspectives, I've just learned from the richness, the rich tapestry of the London landscape as far as um, dating and what that looks like. And if I am kind of hit by, by the breakup or the, or the sadness or, or the vulnerability, the main thing I've learned is trust my gut instinct, put myself out there, feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, you'll learn more uh, doing things that way. But also have a bit of fun with it. Like take away the pressure of like, here's my list, here's my list. That's what it can sometimes feel like. Like the amount of guys on first, first dates with me who are like, yeah, I'm ready to have kids. And I know the stereotype is the other way that women of a certain age are like ready to have kids, but I have to, and I'm, I'm not in that place where, where I want any more. Uh, I actually had a guy oh, imply, he didn't even imply, he said it out loud, that the fact that I didn't want, ha want to have more children meant that I wasn't open to love, that I had walls up, that, you know, that if you were gonna date, that you had to have everything on the table. Bearing in mind that we didn't date, that was like a pre, that was a pre-conversation, uh, and I just thought, oh my, that's a lot of judgment for someone who doesn't even know me. Um, so, so I've often, you know, been at the at the stage in my life where I've got kids and I have a pretty clear idea of, of where I want to get to in life. Um, segue, and I'm supposed to be closing this. I thought I'd only have a little bit to say. Um, strong women or women who know where they want where they want to get to there's a really there's a whole other podcast podcast angle on you know a, a, a woman who's intimidating versus a man who quite likes that versus finding this equilibrium between this masculinity femininity sides of things uh, that bit I haven't quite figured out I just know that I need to be me uh, with empathy and with a curiosity for learning about the other person. So I'm still, I'm still learning as, as far as that's concerned. I know that because it's taken me so many years of struggle to 
to get to this place of, of freedom uh, that I can sometimes have a little bit of control of the situation and we all do this in order to protect me from any kind of fallout. So if I can just use my head and my smarts to kind of subtly, unconsciously manipulate the situation, you know, I can come out on top and that's not sexual euphemism. Um, it's more that I've been left many times and I don't mean in the dating game, I mean my dad's not in my life, my stepfather, um, I mean um, I've, I've left countries, homes, like all that sort of thing. So I can certainly be guilty of the let me leave them before they leave me thing. Let me leave them before they leave me. I'm, uh, you guys know who you are when you're just, uh, you realize afterwards probably that you've done it. It's not a conscious thing in the moment. In the moment, it's a very valid, you can give yourself, your brain can just make up the perfect factual, logical list of reasons of why you need to push that person away. And, and that's actually another example of the top of the iceberg is going, oh, you're this, you're this, you're this, therefore, uh, and go get, see some girlfriends or, or guys to, to reinforce that, that thinking, push that person away. But deep down, like if we're really self-aware about this, we're doing that because that feels more powerful and easier um, than kind of holding the space and seeing where it goes. Because um, that can be scary because it kind of means if you give your heart or your soul or whatever you, you, you want to call it to the situation and, and they call the shots. Now for me that can be pretty scary. So in conclusion, thank you so much for listening to my third bonus rant on relationships and sex in the city. Uh, we'll, we'll have to go deeper there at some point. Um, communicate from a place of vulnerability. Uh, experiment and know that all of this is about learning. Have fun with it, but equally know that you investing in yourself is the biggest investment that you can make to a relationship. That was a good sentence. I can't even believe it came out so well. Uh, it's been a long day. Um, you investing in yourself, me investing in myself, is the best investment in making any kind of relationship successful. It's just how I feel. It's, it's, it's just what my experience tells me and what my experience of working with other people tells me. That when we're in a healthy place, we're less likely to act out. But equally, equally, relationship is an opportunity to evolve. That's, it's what it is. A relationship, so, so we, when you're in relationship, and uh, friendships, romantic, all, but particularly romantic relationships, there's this particular opportunity for growth and evolving. So next time you're in this situation of like, for fuck's sake, I keep dating the same guy and the sa or the same woman and the same thing keeps happening. Turn that mirror on yourself. Turn it on yourself. And just be like, all right, if, the, if life is about learning, what am I missing? What do I need to look at and how do I take full responsibility? I, th there's a theme in my rants. It's about personal responsibility. How can I take responsibility for the growth of this relationship or the stability or the opportunity for me to work through? This guy is an opportunity for me to work through something. I can now be grateful for this human, even if it feels a bit toxic or it doesn't feel quite right. Um, they're giving me a gift. That person is giving me a gift and an opportunity to work so through something and grow. Now the flip side, I don't want to end on a shitty note, but 
and I'm not going to, but the flip side is when we don't look at relationships as a place for growth, when we're not looking through a self-awareness lens about our own personal responsibility, the thing that can happen is we, oh my God, I know these people, they come to me for therapy. We can stay stuck in a toxic cycle of mediocrity where we know that it's not quite right for us and we know that it just doesn't feel right and we're stuck in some shitty, you know, sludge that we grew up in that's being triggered over and over again. That's the flip side. That's the sad side. And I see it countless times that people are just stuck and, and tell themselves, there's no way out. I wouldn't be able to survive on my own. This is, oh my God, this one. Isn't every relationship a bit shitty? Isn't, every, isn't that just part of relationship that it's a bit shitty so you could just like accept it? I probably hate that statement more than any. And yes, every relationship has its challenges and its opportunities for growth. You guys are gonna hate me for this cheesiness, but every relationship has that. But it's my responsibility to want what I want, to work on myself, to be the right person within that situation, to level myself up so that I can meet my own equal that is also willing to look at this for growth. Like, take some fucking responsibility for your relationships, right? Because we get, we go past the romantic phase and then maybe we have the child and the mortgage or whatever that might be. And people just slip into this like, well, this is the passive, what it's always supposed to be, mediocrity bullshit of sex once a week and not talking about what's really fucking going on. That's the bit that frustrates me. It's like, we, we, we get into this fear place where we don't want to hurt the person that we genuinely love so we don't say the real stuff, we don't real talk it. Because we're scared that if we do, we, everything that we're attached to that is our nice little comfort circle and bubble and all the rest of it could dissipate. And Brené Brown's work, let me end on this, about going into the arena can be applied to relationships. And that is, when we take the risk and fully step in and, and, we don't, and we don't know how it's gonna go and it's probably gonna be messy and tricky and we're gonna mess up and then we're gonna come back and communicate, we're gonna test stuff and whatever. When we're brave enough to go into the arena within our personal relationships, the, the, the benefit, the magic when we get through the messy stuff is just, it's what makes life worth living, right? It's deeper intimacy, it's connection, it's growth, it's learning. It's just this beautiful place that means that I'll probably, you know, the human condition is that we're, we're, we're pushing towards connection in some way or another. So whatever it looks like, like get away from the traditional view of, you know, what a, a relationship should be. Whatever it looks like, look at it as an opportunity for growth. Uh, I, for one, am still quite excited uh, by the dating that I'm currently doing. Uh, and the people that I'm learning from and the opportunities that I have to just put myself out there because as soon as you think you know, there's something that you don't know. And I predict that I've now put this bit of learning out there as if I'm some kind of expert, uh, that I'm probably going to be hit by a bulldozer pretty soon <laughs> with some kind of relationship heartbreak thing, just so that I can come back fully vulnerable and be like, yeah, I thought I knew what I knew, and then there was this next level of crazy, and I don't know what I know, you know? That's real talk. All we can do is show up as who we are and what we know right now. And in three months and six months, when I come back to you on the topic of relationship, you know that this is gonna be different, but the undercurrent that I do know is that if it's about growth, then that's what it's about. Um, 
until next time, uh, please do comment about your uh, relationship challenges. Do you think relationships are about growth? What do you think relationships are for? What's the purpose? Is it just biological about making pro uh, procreation and making kids? Uh, and, uh, or, or is it about something higher, something that allows us to evolve into greater consciousness? Thank you so much for listening to this relationship rant. I hope that some of what I've said has resonated or that you will go and practice the vulnerability conversation that's underneath the acting out top of the iceberg. Thanks for listening.